in on the second hour of After Hours here on 610 Sports Radio. Lots of hours. We're only like, oh, 200 and some hours away from Friday, January 12th, which is an important date for all of you to remember. You'll hear promos all week. You'll hear me talk about this consistently. But that's because I want to see you. I want you to be a part of this. Friday, January 12th at Cinderblock Brewery starting at 6 p.m. Our third annual playoff Pilsner release. Myself, Dusty Likens, I'll be re, uh, broadcasting live starting at 6 p.m. The entire 610 Sports Radio staff will be present, and F325 Barbecue will be doing a special tailgate menu with wings, loaded mac and cheese, and barbecue sandwiches. Sandwiches. Plural. I'm really excited to see this loaded mac and cheese. Because I think mac and cheese is a love language. I I really like that, like, baked mac and cheese. I hope it's it's mm-hmm. like that. I assume that's what it is, but I don't know. Right. I just hit the absolute piss out of my hand on this table. <laughs> absolutely hurt. There's like a few bones in your body that if you just like barely nick, it's it's just an excruciating pain. Like I hate when you hit your funny bone and then somebody has to be a wise butt and say, not so funny, is it? Every dad ever. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked, what about a three-peat with Travis Kelsey? Uh, I, don't, I don't think that matters for him to stick around. Just because... I just, I think he's accomplished everything that he could possibly accomplish. Like, think about the resume. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Best tight end in football. Hall of Fame. Got the girl. Has the podcast. And future outside of the NFL looks very, very bright. And when you have all those agents, allegedly or supposedly, eventually their words start to make a little bit more sense. Like, hey... Um, you can make $35 million if you sign this agreement to do this for two years. Okay. How much do you make a year in the NFL? 14.3 million. Oh, weird. You just doubled your money. So, um, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm just saying the, the, the last dance is closer than you think. Uh, as we wrap up a week 18, again, I do not think it is this year. Um, unless a Super Bowl wins, which I guess we kind of have like a sub-conversation that winning the Super Bowl this year would be kind of interesting for the Kansas City Chiefs, considering the following. If you watch Bill Nye, you would understand that reference. Um, Right, because you brought up, Quentin, like if they won the Super Bowl this year with how the team was displayed throughout the year of the roller coaster uh, season that it was, I don't know what's a better roller coaster song, Blink-182, Off Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, or... Bleachers version of a roller coaster song. Either way, both are great. Um, but the offense kind of lackadaisical all year, had a lot of drops, very frustrating, had a great defense. And then all of a sudden you get into the playoffs and you look at all the other teams that we're getting ready to talk about and you think about who your quarterback is. And there really isn't a conversation that all end with, yeah, the Chiefs aren't getting there. I don't believe that conversation is, 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 viable to what is the possibility that the Chiefs could get there. I understand that if they were to win the Super Bowl, it would be hilarious because everybody would be like, seriously, again? Who saw this coming? Not me. But then you look at the aspects of what could happen if they do get to the Super Bowl, and you think to yourself, oh, yeah, everything was so micro that we didn't look at the macro side of it, whereas Joe Flacco, uh, C.J. Stroud, rookie, good, but a rookie. Tua Tugvailoa, never played a playoff game. Buffalo, they're schizophrenic. Baltimore, they might be rested too long. We don't know. We don't know. They seem to be the dominant team. 
But it would just be hilarious that with all the trials and tribulations of this team, and then the other thing is if they do win a Super Bowl, you've got to think that there would be a conversation to be had um, when it comes to Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid's futures, which have been blossoming with that conversation throughout the day and the year. Plus, the uh, the other part of this conversation is how how does Brett Veach look at this team moving forward? Does he for forever and into the future double down on what he's done to build this team? Because think of all the assets he has spent on the defense, right? High draft picks. He's gone two years in a row. He spent the last three draft picks have all been defensive defensive players with McDuffie, Karloftis, and FAU. He has spent huge free agency money twice on big name safeties. And he's just been a lot of assets into building this defense. And on the offensive side, after he signed Patrick Mahomes and outside of the offensive line, he hasn't made a ton of huge moves. Yeah, he brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, but that was on a one-year deal. Yeah, he brought in NVS, but that was on a very minimum wide receiver standpoint, small deal, $11 million. So he hasn't spent as many resources on the offensive side as he has on the defensive side. Mm -hmm. So if Kansas City wins the Super Bowl or makes the Super Bowl moving forward, does he further double down on that standard? I mean, I think there's for sure going to be an addition to a wide receiver from free agency this year. I just, it's just, there's no way there's not um, because of what is available. I do think there's a bold strategy to be had where, because I'm kind of over the T Higgins thing, just because of like the injuries that always are. It just seems like he seems to always be banged up or there's something going on. Re-aggravate the hamstring against the Chiefs was in and out of that game. Had missed like the previous two weeks or whatever it was. And maybe not the two weeks, but he had missed time with injury in the season before this. Um, would still be a better addition than what you have currently um, at your wide receiver room. Because a lot of people's questions throughout this year have been how many wide receivers come back on the active roster this year. And maybe it's two. I think it has to be Sky Moore due to rookie contract and low low paying uh, contract, and then Rushy Rice. I don't think MVS is back. I think they buy at that contract. I don't think that um, maybe Watson's back. I'm sure you could get him for cheap uh, if you wanted to. I don't think Kadarius Tony's back. I think you just you tried. It is what it is. Just where I look at things, but. I would say. I mean, I think Tony Tony's back just because he's still under contract and it's not expensive. Yeah. So it's like. But it's also you, you, not expensive you, to cut dead weight if he's not. I mean, he's not playing, man. I know, and but if he does, he's he's there, he's you know, arguably cost you two games this season. The pick six was off his hands, yeah, and the offsides against Buffalo yeah. was on his feet or on head, what it was ever was over there, and that was probably the greatest play of the year that doesn't count. Yeah, literally, like throughout the entire NFL. So two wins hang on the balance of a guy that was what you would consider a project that you could probably develop. And at the beginning of this season, as we are now in week 18, the beginning of this season, there were many, many, many people out there that were like, the Chiefs see Kadarius Tony as a wide receiver one. It took one game to realize that wasn't going to be it. I'm the it, Chiefs- then, it then took seven weeks for them to realize this guy may not be it at all because he ain't playing. They're saving him for gadget plays. It just doesn't work. You don't have trust in your quarterback. Can't be there. MVS, we know, is probably going to get bought out. Yeah. I think that's a, a a safe opinion. The Chiefs will save money by cutting him. Yeah. Because uh, they were that that contract was a three-year deal, air quotes, but really it was a two-year deal because the Chiefs can just cut. There's there's like $2 million in guaranteed money in the it's next year. Dead cap is $2 million. And that you save like eleven. Well, you'd save nine. 
he'd get paid 11. You'd cut, you'd cut him and you'd get, and, and I don't see them offering him like a, Hey, take a pay cut and yeah. we'll keep you. I don't see that. I don't think Ross is back. I don't think Richie James is back. MVS isn't back. Watson, maybe Tony. I don't think so. And Rushy Rice is a future wide receiver too. I think the, the Richie James one's interesting because you do need a returner and he was injured. So you can probably resign him. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he did anything on the field that would like say, man, we can't keep this guy. Correct. So I think James has a good, has a good chance of coming back. Maybe. But I think in the off season, I think where they could look is go spin because they've said the salary cap is going to move up because the NFL's business is booming, which I find ironic that they use a quote from a guy who's kind of been a, you know, sore spot for NFL players and Antonio Brown. Um, but I think when you look at what they could do next year, let's say they go sign a big name wide receiver. Michael Pittman Jr. That's who I would love. I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it. I want to speak it into existence. Please do. I, before the Colts game started last night, I tweeted, it said, future wide receiver for the Chiefs, Michael Pittman Jr. getting ready to start. What happened? First target, Michael Pittman Jr. Second target, Michael Pittman Jr. Pitt Nasty is a good dude to have on your team. Then what you could also do, if you want to do this, you could maybe go get a guy like a Gabe Davis, who's a free agent. Not a big, big name, but a Gabe Davis in this offense with Patrick Mahomes, and I get it, hasn't really worked in Buffalo for Gabe Davis. We saw that divisional game, which was the 13-second game where he had four touchdowns and like 210 yards. That was what we thought was the Gabe Davis coming out party. Then last year it kind of fell short. And then this year there were pops. But if Gabe Davis is like your wide receiver three, and you've got a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., Rasheed Rice, and a Gabe Davis, then all of a sudden this team gets real interesting. Plus, we're not even mentioning Isaiah Pacheco which is who I want to talk about, plus Patrick Mahomes on the other side when it comes to the biggest threat in the playoffs and why I think you all just need to take a deep breath and just wait for next weekend to get here and trust what the resume shows you for the Chiefs when it comes to January football. It's Quentin. I'm Dusty. This is After Hours. You're listening to 610 Sports Radio. Just completed my uh, six-leg parlay for Sunday. Not going to hit, but it's always fun to think it might. The parlay is all money lines. Bucks, Patriots, Bengals, Jags, Falcons, Lions. That's what it is. $10 to win 182. Wouldn't that be a Sunday? I'd buy you something nice, Quentin. Have you ever won one of the these like six legs, six legs, eight leg parlays? Mm-hmm. We won one. A uh, couple of buddies of mine, we all went in uh, twenty five bucks each uh, on a five leg parlay for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Los Angeles Chargers earlier this year. Okay. Yeah, we won uh, two point two thousand dollars. Dang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had, I think it was Travis Kelsey catches and yards. We had Chiefs money line under uh, receiving yards for Keenan Allen, and I think we had an anytime Isaiah Pacheco touchdown, and they all hit, and we went absolutely nuts on a Sunday night. As you should have. Yeah, we went nuts, dude. Um, it was fun. That's the, That was basically gave, uh, you know, you know, that's when, uh, that's when, you know, expectations of being a good person that night went out the window. <laughs> I mean, we weren't like stupid, but we just, uh, we went to my buddy's house and just went absolutely nuts. Uh, don't throw a John, Justin Ross away yet. 
He about to put in that work today. Yeah, he might put it in today, but I don't know if he's going to put it in next year. Um, has anyone checked in on Big Lou? I have not. I don't I don't know Big Lou, but uh, if we ever find out, I'll let you know because uh, I try to be a voice of the Pepel here on the text line. Um, biggest team I think everybody – uh, I think everybody would fear um, is Baltimore. I think that's the one team I think everybody is 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 in fear of the most when it comes to the AFC. Their defense, I believe, is first in points allowed uh, per game. At least that's what I saw on my Score mobile app. Um, but Baltimore could be, throw an asterisk up there, could be um, a bit rusty, right? They uh they all were out there last night getting soaked. Uh, that was just looked like a miserable game to be at. Unless you had like a sweet ticket, there was no way you could have paid me any amount of money to be in Baltimore, Maryland last night. 38 degrees, like 40-mile-an-hour winds and just a mist of rain? Absolutely not. Um, but if you look at the playoff picture and teams in there, the one thing that I think you have to put above everything outside of the teams that are possibly in there is that every year a lot of people forget that the playoffs just hit differently, right? It's like that after-work cocktail on a Friday. It tastes a little bit better than the after-work cocktail on Tuesday. And the playoffs, when you get there, hit a little bit different. Everything in the regular season is, is great for sample size. But when you take sample size and put it into the playoffs and you look at the teams that are in there and you put the Chiefs up there, it starts with QB1. It really, really does. It starts with QB1. And you look at what happens here with Patrick Mahomes and his numbers, and this is from a Twitter handle called Chiefs underscore Outsider. Hilarious name. But they put together a pretty good little stat here. Since Mahomes took over as QB1 in 2018, the Chiefs have averaged 32.7 points per game in the playoffs. During that span, the Chiefs are 11-3, and including three Super Bowl appearances and two Super Bowl titles. In the 11 wins, they averaged 34.5 points per game. and the three losses, they averaged 21.3 points per game. And I get it. In those past, you know, 14 games that the, the Kansas City Chiefs have played under Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, one, he's got 11 wins. The next, the next closest wins are Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco hasn't been in the playoffs in I couldn't tell you how long. Everybody else, nowhere near it, Right? Nowhere near the type of experience that Patrick Mahomes has, which is vital in the situation that you look at. Because when you get into the playoffs, a lot of things that people forget is that the most important things you can have are head coach and quarterback, right? You look at all the teams and their head coaches and quarterbacks throughout the league, and it just gives you not a slight advantage, but a massive advantage when you look at what the Chiefs have. And your biggest threat, I think, is Baltimore. But you wouldn't have to play Baltimore until the AFC Championship game. If they and you, Chiefs, get there, you damn near beat Buffalo, right? You beat Buffalo. Kadarius Tony lost to Buffalo. And I get it. No one person wins or loses the game. But he was off sides in one of the biggest plays of the NFL season, not just Chiefs season, but the biggest play of the NFL season for the Chiefs. And he's off sides. And they would have won that game. I know there was still time left after that touchdown. But with that defense, give me a break. You look at Miami. Two has never played in the playoffs. If he does and they lose to Buffalo tonight, which I think they will, he's got to come to Kansas City 
and possibly play in what would be a high of 20 degrees at the peak of the day if that game's even at noon. You look at Jacksonville. You beat Jacksonville on the road this year already. Week two. Seems like yesterday, remember, it was a noon game. It was 100 degrees on the field. You beat them 17-9. to Travis Kelsey was a little banged up in that game, but you won 17-9. to And you beat them three times in a row. Correct, including last year in the playoffs. Not only that, you would then look at Houston. And I get it. There was a text earlier that said, I want nothing to do with the Houston Texans. They have nothing to lose, everything to prove, house money. Again, a rookie quarterback going on the road to play a team whose quarterback has 11 wins in the playoffs already, and he's not even 30. And he's got two, count them, two Super Bowl rings already on one hand. Then there's Flacco, right? The story's great with Cleveland. Joe Flacco being the guy that he's been already past Johnny Manziel for most career passing yards as a Cleveland Brown quarterback. That's not a hard thing. It's just kind of funny because um, I think Flacco's played like four games for the Browns. And Cleveland's defense is great. It is. But so is Kansas City's. And I would love to see Flacco have to play against that defense with that pass rush with those protective corners and safeties in that system. It would just be different. Plus, you've got to trust that Cleveland's defense knows how to play in the playoffs, which they've already given up 30 points at one point this season to the Indianapolis Colts, the Chiefs. Not a 30-point game all year. Then there's the reindeer quarterback, Mason Rudolph. If Pittsburgh goes, and oh, by the way, Pittsburgh's probably going to be without their star pass rusher, TJ, or yeah, TJ Watt, because he has the grade three or grade two MCL sprain. Grade three. Grade three. If they were to link into the playoffs, how healthy is TJ Watt? That's a big, big miss if the Chiefs have to play against that and don't have to worry about TJ Watt coming off the outside. And we know what happened the last time the Chiefs played the Steelers in the playoffs. Wasn't good the first round. They got beat the absolute snot out of with Ben Roethlisberger's swan song of a season. And then you add in what you saw against Cincinnati with the Kansas City Chiefs and the simplicity of that offense that seemed to work. And I had had the conversation with Binkley on Friday night. We'll talk to Binkley at 11 here in about 30 minutes when he'll join us for the final hour here on After Hours. But you look at what maybe is, and to me, something that you can limp into the playoffs with is that I think the Chiefs kept their offense the same all year until that final game against Cincinnati because I think they truly believed in what they had in-house. I thought they truly believed it could work. And it is a humbling situation that when you have something that you believe works, that you've seen work, and you've worked on all season, but it's just for some reason not developing on the field – it is a little bit of a humbling moment to look in the mirror and say, okay, let's let's just throw this away, let's scratch it, and let's go to our simplified offense. What is that simplified offense? It is trusting in your running back and Isaiah Pacheco to be the ground-and-pound bruiser that he can be, which then adds so many more elements to your team to be successful moving forward because then you control more time of possession. You wear out the opposing team, you open up Rushy Rice, and then – you start to open up Travis Kelsey. And if you remember from what we played Friday night and what we played on um, on Wednesday when we had Ron Cobb Jr. on, he had this to say about um, who his top three are to get this offense moving. Oh, I think Kelsey's third on that. Okay. Um, and, and I'll give you Pacheco one. I never thought I'd be here telling, telling us the Chiefs offense, you know, need, you know, the most important feature of, that, of the offense is the running back position. 
um, obviously outside of Patrick Mahomes. But with this, the team, how it's operating right now, I think it really is true because I think this run game is going to be super important um, to setting up the pass because you do have defenses, you know, not, not necessarily uh, trusting or, you know, not necessarily, you know, defending the Chiefs downfield passing right now. Um, but, you know, if, if, if they are able to, you know, hit, hit those a few more times, that gets Pacheco going even more. But if Pacheco's established, man, that's going to open up things for Rice. So I really think those two are the guys. And Kelsey just, you know, he can continue to, to be what he has been with, you know, in a few of these last games. You're seeing defenses take him away and the other guys feeding off him. And shoot, you know, if, if guys like Pacheco and Rice are going to have 150 yards total, right, in, in these last games, I mean, that's going to, you know, that's going to work out. So I'd definitely say Pacheco and Rice are the guys we need to focus on, continue to get the ball to. And, and everyone else can kind of fall into their different roles. And I think that's where the season can really kind of flourish for the Chiefs in this part of the year. As we are in week 18, a lot of people are resting. Obviously, we know there's no uh, Pacheco today. There's no Rasheed Rice today. There's no Legereus Sneed today. Chris Jones needs a sack or a half a sack to get the 1.25. Travis Kelsey, 16 yards to get the 8,000-yard season in a row. And when you look at what this offense can be and you you pair it with what this defense is, a top two defense, you can take the Cleveland Browns, you can take the Ravens or the Chiefs. I wouldn't be mad at either one of those teams that you take, but I would say I would probably take Kansas City's because uh, their corners are pretty damn good. Uh, Darn good, sorry, Lord. Um, But uh, you have all these sort of things that if the Chiefs can just continue, and I get it, people get annoyed with the comparisons of the New England Patriots, but if the Chiefs can kind of take that sort of Patriot vibe where – you only give up 17 points and all you've got to do is score 20. Plus you, you add in the factor that you have Patrick Mahomes. You add in the factor that you have Andy Reed and you put in the point that you have this simplified offense that works. You win time of possession and you have that defense. That is a very successful two leg parlay to move into the playoffs with to really kind of own your status. And if the chiefs can do that against a team like Miami and take that offense off the field and then dare them to know exactly what you're doing. You can pin the ears back on your defensive line. that gets so much, so much penetration against an offensive line. That helps the corners out. That makes the quarterback panic. And the advantage is in your side. And if the Chiefs can add more advantages to what they already have, quarterback, head coach, tight end, running back on their team, defense, plus the playoffs, plus panic from the other team, you can kind of see this developing in a way where it's like there were a couple years where the Patriots went 10 and six. They were the two or the three seed. Then all of a sudden it's like, here we are again talking about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the AFC championship. And somehow it's in Gillette. Not sure how, but the four seed got there and the three seed got there and New England was a three seed. And all of a sudden we're here talking about what this team is and why they're always successful. And it always starts with your quarterback and your head coach. So relax. We're not there yet. We got one boring, boring game today as it's Easton Stick versus Blaine Gabbard. I asked the other question on the other side. What makes you watch this game today at 325? Again, you can hear postgame following the Chiefs postgame on 1065 The Wolf and 610 Sports Radio. You'll get Jay Binkley as the Arrowhead Pride postgame show host with Pete Sweeney, Josh Klingler, and your calls. We'll do this on the other side. What makes you most interested in this game today? 913-586-7610. Quentin, for some reason, can't wait for this game to start. Dusty Likens, that's Quentin. This is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. 816 says, honestly, give us the Dolphins, Bills, Ravens. It doesn't matter. We got to play them eventually. Run it up. Yeah. 
Agree. I mean, it doesn't matter. Eventually, you're going to have to play everybody to get to the Super Bowl anyway. I just always wonder, you know, confidence levels going into the playoffs. And I try to, you know, pad those stats with, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, insurance uh, for you to feel a little bit happier, a little bit more comfortable moving in um, to the playoff picture. Programming note, Jay Binkley coming up at 11. He also will be on after the Chiefs postgame show for the Arrowhead Pride postgame show. Um, Monday morning, you'll get uh, Derek Johnson, Andy Reid press conference at 12, Patrick Mahomes at 310, Mitch Holtis at 4 o'clock. Two of those final ones on the drive with Carrington Harrison and Rob Britton. Um, Dusty Likens and Quentin with you today. Um, what, like, if you're watching this game today, What's got you into wanting to watch the game, right? Like, what makes you really, really, really want to get into this game? Now, I don't really have a reason as to why, like, I'm, I mean, it's the Chiefs. I think it's funny whenever it's, like, the backup quarterback to see how they look, and, it, like, it really gives you a uh, a real good feeling of, like, oh, that's why Patrick Mahomes is so good. And also, this is why we don't need an expansion in the NFL. Um, but it is interesting because, uh, and by the way, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is active today. So is uh, Baker Mayfield. Alvin Kamara is inactive uh, for those of you that have any sort of juice on game stay. But I can't, I don't, I don't really have like, you know, a big excitement because I really do think Travis Kelsey's going to play. I think he's going to play the first drive, and they, you know, you know, Andy Reid and Blaine Gabbert and Travis Kelsey have worked on a play that is a perfect 15 yard route. And then Travis Kelsey can just, you know, reach over. Um, and it is interesting to think because I think if the Chiefs are fair, I think they let Chris Jones play. And I understand there's a lot of people out there that are like, screw Chris Jones, man. He wasn't there in the first game. He was in a suite watching with his agents. I get it. I get it. But there's no reason to do it out of pettiness right before the playoffs start. But what you can do is be like, Chris Jones, you get a half. You get a half to get the half sack. If you don't get the sack by halftime, we ain't playing you. Because if we're going to clown Mike McDaniel for playing those Miami Dolphins players in a game that didn't matter at the time when it was, what, 42 to like 13, and Bradley Chubb gets hurt, Xavier Howard gets hurt, you got to be somewhat smart because it is the NFL. Injuries can happen any way, shape, or form. And stuff like that can get funky. And the last thing you need is for Chris Jones to get the JJ Watt or the TJ Watt injury. Uh, we don't need that going in the playoffs. But what you can do is be like, hey, here's the fair point. You got one half to get Easton Stick on the ground against a team that doesn't care. And in fact, if the first play on the defensive side is Chris Jones gets a sack, goodbye. Get off the field. There's your 1.25. Because we saw how excited Genevon Clowney was last night, right? He put on a show. Dude, that was great. That was a $750,000 dance. Yeah. You got to think that if Chris Jones gets the sack, he's hitting the Johnny Manziel. Yeah. But I'm interested to know what gets you involved or what has you to watch this game. Again, I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's, it's going to be boring. Bad football can be exciting football. It's like a train wreck. You drive by and you're like, why am I staring at this? 
Um, somebody says today for me, it's a red zone day, and I'll just watch the game with what comes up on that. Let Kelsey play. Just play. Just pay Chris Jones' bonus um, and only play Chris Jones on passing downs. Smart move there. Travis Kelsey, 1,000 yards, and then it's Noah Gray time. Quentin, I feel like you're okay to watch this game today because you just, you're just sports. You just love sports. I think that every Chiefs fan watching this game should be excited, and there's a couple of reasons why. Felix and Udike Uzama, right? He's going to get a lot of snaps today. And you spent a first-round pick on him. He do, he hasn't played a lot, especially since Omenahu came off of his suspension. And this is a local kid. Everybody was excited when he got drafted here. Everybody saw what he's done at K-State. And he should get a significant amount of snaps. And let's see what he's got. This is a this is a first time in a long time that Kansas City has a first-round pick that hasn't made a significant impact on the season. And most Chiefs fans knew going into the season that that was probably going to be what's happening. Now he has a chance to go up against legitimate starters in the NFL on that offensive line. Let's see what he's got. That's the first reason that I'm watching. And then there's another guy, basically the exact same region, B.J. Thompson. Steve Spagnuolo in his press conference talked about some of these guys that haven't gotten a ton of snaps all year, and now they get their opportunity. So guys like B.J. Thompson, Nick Jones, like these are guys that are going to get opportunities. Never they, heard of them. They could be the future of your franchise, mm. and this is what you have to do if you're a good team, right? Mm-hmm. You have to rotate guys in and out uh, whenever contracts become too expensive. So fans should be watching the numbers that they don't recognize mm-hmm. because those are players that might be guys moving forward you're going to depend on. That's fair. That's fair. It just feels like it's a week three preseason game. And that's fine. And I don't watch a lot of week three preseason games. Like I was really, really hoping that I could play golf today. Obviously that's not happening. I wonder if there is a golf course. So should we just call a golf course during the break? And be like, Hey, are you guys open today? <laughs> you know, there's a golf course open somewhere. It is. It's only 31 high of 40. You could play at like one o'clock today. What's the coldest temperature you played at, you know, golf? Mm, so I do have rules. Um, rules or guidelines? I guess guidelines. Um, the coldest I've ever played is probably 40. And I'm not one of those chumps that gets the cart warmers and the, the zippers that go over the cart. I'm not that guy. I go out there and it's just raw. Um but I do have a problem with golf and I've done things where I've like prepped myself for this time of year because I'll play if it's 42. That's my guy. If it's 42, I'll give it some serious thought. Um, if it's like below 42 and like windy and all that, probably not. And but like 45 degrees in like February, if we get one of those, which we always do. And it's like a Saturday morning, like Saturday at like one o'clock, two o'clock, it's going to be 45. I'll be on the golf course. Now, the one thing I do have to remember when I go out there is I need to take like a little drill and a bit because you can't get your tee in the ground. And that just seems like yeah. a genius thing to have. Cause I have a couple of power tools and one's like a little like handheld small, like, and I could just take that and be like, I never even thought about right that in there. Yeah. Somebody says, what happens if these backups catch every pass Gabbert throws? The universe will explode. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Um, Swope Park Memorial is open. Hillcrest is open. Royal Meadows is open. Dustman, I would love to play some golf with you sometime. Longtime listener. Love you, my guy. Love you, too. Love that you love golf. Thanks for giving us all those things. Dusty, do you use a different ball in colder weather? I'm not as picky. I don't know why we have a golf conversation, but let's have it. Uh I do hate 
like winter golf when it's like 50 because every once in a while you'll get that like 50 degree day at like the end of February. Everybody and their mother comes out and plays. Pace of play is terrible. But as a different ball, I guess, I mean, I'm going to sound like such a jerk. My entire bag is full of Pro V1s or Pro V1Xs because Facebook Marketplace is very dangerous. And there's this little old lady that lives in Raintree close to my house that sells grade A, B, and C style of Pro V1s. I think she has some sort of relation to a company called Golf Ball Pauls. And in her garage, dude, is just like seven shelves of golf balls and buckets. Like, you know, the Home Depot bucket? The yeah, the five-gallon bucket? buckets? Yeah. Full from the start of the garage to the back of it. And I've met her twice. Um, and normally I'll go there and I'll buy 24 golf balls. She'll sell grade B, Pro V1, Pro V1Xs. She'll give you 12 for 20 bucks. So I'll give her $40 and go get 24 golf balls. And that'll normally last me a year to close to a year of golf. Um, but it doesn't really matter when it's cold. Like I probably, because I mean, I don't know. I'll use anything. Normally the balls that I'll hit are Pro V, Pro V1X. Uh, Chrome Soft, TP5s, or TPX. Those are normally the three balls I'll use. Other than that, yeah. Somebody says, I don't like the cart condom. No, I don't. Because if you've got to put a cart condom on your cart, um, you don't need to be outside playing golf because you're just – some courses don't allow it. Just put a coat on. Somebody says, cart condom, mini propane heater, and the iPad for red zone. Then you probably should have just stayed home. And I'm not trying to be mean. You can do you. Everybody can do themselves. But in that regard, like, that's one of those things where it's like, is it really worth it? But, like, I have, like, three different thermals for golf. I have a vest. I have a jacket. I have a scarf. I have a hat. I have socks. I have all sorts of things to keep me warm during a round of, like, 42 or above I'll play. Are you a cart guy or do you walk it? Never walk. Never. Not, And, I mean, I'm not, like, out of shape. I mean, I walk two and a half to two miles almost every day. For exercise, I could walk it, but I mean, it's like, why? It's kind of fun to drive. Okay. Would you walk? See, I don't, I don't golf, but I think I would because I would never, I would never go by myself. I would always go with a group of friends. Mm-hmm. Like that to me seems like a great, you know, you get your two or three buddies and yeah. you go, you go play golf. The other thing too is I always bring a cooler. That's a good point. Yeah. Plus, you have like your phone, your speaker. Now, if I had one of those, like, Bluetooth golf carts or bags that you can just, like, remote control and it just goes with That's you. That's a thing? Uh-huh. They're really expensive, though. They're, like, 800 to to $1,000. Jeez. But it's on a Bluetooth control. So, like, as long as you're there, and you're, it'll go with you. It's amazing. That's enough golf talk. You don't care about it. We get back on the other side. I want to talk about Black Monday. Black Monday and what it means for these coaches and everything else. Plus, we do a look back of the season that was the Kansas City Chiefs. High points, low points, fun points, negative points. Who knows? Lots of points. That's Quentin. I'm Dusty Likens. Jay Binkley at 11. This is After Hours. This is 610 Sports Radio. I don't want to talk, so you'll turn it down. Okay, I'll talk. I could use just a little help. Praise be to Bruce, man. Praise be to Bruce. That might have been one of the best nights of my life. Going to the concert? Yeah. People that I ran into, going with my dad, seeing the boss live. That was a highlight of my my year last year. That was in February. I remember my dad... I told my dad, I was like, hey, uh, I got Bruce Springsteen tickets. You want to go? Uh, yeah. I was like, okay. He's like, when is it? Like February? 
second week. He goes, you know, you might have a really fun February. He's like, Chiefs might be in the AFC Championship game. Chiefs might go to the Super Bowl. Chiefs might win the Super Bowl. Chiefs might have a parade. Bruce Springsteen. I said, Dad, if that five-league parlay hits, all the drinks are on me. Of course, all of that hit. But so did all of my bets last year towards the year. I had Mahomes MVP, Justin Jefferson Offensive Player of the Year, Chiefs over the Bengals in the AFC Championship. Because if you remember last year, the Chiefs were underdogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, Chiefs are underdogs today at minus at plus three. First time all year they've been underdogs. It just took everyone to miss the game for them to be an underdog. Um, and then I had um, Chiefs to win Super Bowl. If you remember, they were underdogs in that game. And I had Patrick Mahomes as the MVP, a two-leg parlay. I ended up winning like a ton of money on that. And so, like, the concert was just like an afterthought of what was getting. I was just, here's my card. Take it, take it, take it. I was also responsible that night, and I wanted to be pretty sober for the boss. So I, uh, I took a jelly bean, and I took uh, two drinks. And that's my, that was my night. Sunday show. Got to be respectful. But, damn, there was a, a lot of beautiful girls there, one in particular that I got to run into. Uh, I haven't paid for balls in years because it's a slow day. Oh, because it's a slow day. I'm out there with my finder and gone fishing, especially when I'm waiting at scramble tournaments that play slow. I can find Pro V's all over. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, uh, for sure. Disc golf rocks. Um, okay. I like disc golf. Yeah, that's because you can't play real golf. I've, I've only played putt-putt. I haven't even tried to play golf. Mm-hmm. That's why disc golf exists, because they can't play real golf. And I don't know if I can play golf because I've never tried. But you've tried disc golf. I do like disc golf. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. had a disc, they had a disc golf course up in Maryville. Mm. Oh. They have a golf course in Maryville, too. Yeah, but it's like way out in Lake Mazingo. Never mm. been. They have a fun golf course in uh, Orangeburg called the Mule National. Of course, it was built after I graduated from there, but whatever. Um, what was the high point of the season this year? Miami and Germany? I think it has to be the Miami and Germany, specifically the Tyreek Hill play. I think mm-hmm. it, that has to be the high point just yeah. because of all the of all the talking that Tyreek Hill has done in the past, I think he's rubbed a lot of Chiefs fans the wrong way, and that was the play of the game. And you know what we were talking about? That might be play of the season. It, yeah. And that was that was the play we were talking about for the next week. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was another play that's actually counted that Kansas City Chiefs fans have talked about. Well, and that essentially won the game. Yeah. Plus everything that was involved with it. Because you traded Tyreek to Miami and you got Trent McDuffie in the trade because of the draft pick. And right. then he was the one who knocked the ball out and then they got it to Brian Cook. And then I never knew Brian Cook was that fast. Never knew he was that quick. Low point of the season had to have been Christmas Day. Yeah. You'd think. Some people might say the Buffalo game, just when that's when we saw like Patrick Mahomes really get charismatic and, and colorful on the sideline. I, I really thought he was going to like make contact with that referee. Luckily, Creed Humphrey was showing him how he does his job yeah. and was just like consistently pushing him away and away and away. I think a lot of people, if, if you were to argue the Broncos game, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't fight back on that. I would say the Raiders game was 100% the lowest point of the season because that was probably the worst game I've seen the Chiefs play in the Mahomes era outside of the Tennessee game. It didn't help. It was Christmas. Yeah. I don't want another holiday game. Oh, I loved it. It was fun to go. I don't know if I'd go again on Christmas. I mean, it was fine. 
it's just the way that it's stacked up. You know, we did Christmas Eve with my dad, went to his church, um, and did that on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas night went over to my stepdad's house where my mom uh, used to live. Uh, no longer here on this earth, but we still celebrate Christmas as if she is, which is what everybody should do. Um, and we went over there, and it was awesome because like, he just had tacos. And I was like, all right, I'm going to smash some grub on Christmas night. But the game was fun. I'd just never been to a holiday game, and it was as advertised. Like, there were Santa Clauses everywhere. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Santa Claus, like, lit the quarterback on fire at this tailgate that I was at. <laughs> he had, like, this huge harpoon, and then he stuck the guy that was dressed up like Josh Allen, or uh, uh, who was Aiden O'Connell, and it just, like, went up in flames and, like, had, like, fireworks, and it was pretty cool. I agree with you about the Raiders game, and considering how bad the Broncos game with five turnovers, that's pretty low-low. There's some below-average play going on at key positions on the offensive line and skill positions. Yeah. I mean, I just think that Christmas Day, man, it just – what, they had negative 18 yards for, like, the entire first quarter? Mm-hmm. They gave up 14 points in 12 seconds? And it was the Raiders. And then you had to see Max Crosby shirtless again, smoking a cigar again, playing Chief Keef. That's that blank I don't like. That, to me, was the lowest point of the season, was that Raiders game. Highest point of the season, I think, has to be, um, I don't know, man, lowest point of the season. Raiders or seeing Chris Jones sit next to his agents on night one when you unveil a Super Bowl banner? I see. I don't really think that that's that low. One because that's he, pretty low. He came back the the week after. Sure, he did. And it was and it was the first game. And there's so many other things that have happened in between now and then. That's pretty low, though. Like it definitely. If you were to make a power ranking, it'd make the list. Somebody says low point of the season was being six and one and the trade deadline going by. I don't know. There were some low points. There were some high points throughout the season. Coming up on the other side is the 11 o'clock hour. So your favorite host in the city, Jay Binkley, will join this show that we call After Hours. That's Quentin. I'm Dusty Likens. This is 610 Sports Radio.